G'day team, welcome back to the Two Towers podcast, a Middle Earth strategy battle game podcast. I'm your host Albert, and on today's episode, I'm flying solo. That's right, it only took us two and a half years, but finally, the day has come when I have gone to a tournament and Geordie has not. Who would have thought it? And I thought to celebrate this momentous occasion, I would record the beginning and the outro of this podcast by myself and perhaps see how the other half live. And by the other half, I of course mean uh, the great Harry Parkle from uh, Entmoot fame. Now, today's tournament, it was a local Geelong tournament. It was called Battle of Attrition. The tournament is being run by local legend Mop, and the idea behind the tournament, I think, is actually quite a unique and interesting uh, kind of setup. So Battle of Attrition, uh, instead of each uh, scenario being kind of self-contained, we're connecting all of them together, but only in the sense that you start the day with all of your might, will, and fate in a single pool. So, for example, if you're running Boromir, instead of him starting a game one with six might, he is now starting with 18 might. Uh, and the whole idea is uh, essentially, you know, you've got to uh, master your uh, ability to manage resources, uh, don't go all in, so that you still save some energy uh, for the tank. So, it's a three game tournament. Uh, with a 600-point limit, I don't think there were any real restrictions. Uh, legendary legions were allowed. I think, uh, you know, with good sense, Tom Bombadil wasn't allowed. <laughs> um, but apart from that, it was fairly open game. I think there's about 12 or 14 people that are expecting to come down for the day, which is about normal for a kind of a small little uh, Geelong event. Um, some of them being locals, but um, a lot of people starting to come down from Melbourne now as well, which has been really good. And I think a big part of the reason why people are starting to make the trip down from Melbourne is because Throw the Dice, uh, where the, the tournament's being held, is probably one of the best uh, hobby stores um, that I certainly um, have gone to. There are obviously some great hobby shops up, up in Melbourne. But um, Throw the Dice have a lot of uh, really unique little offerings um, around kind of hobby tools and, and things that aren't necessarily at um, some of the bigger uh, game shops up in Melbourne. So we know what the tournament is, but you may be thinking, dear listener, what kind of army am I going to cook up for this 600-point outing? Let's find out. It's victory is at hand. A new power is rising and its hobbying is at hand. Now, I have a confession. I've run uh, this army before on the podcast. It's not really a spoken rule. It's kind of implied that uh, we try not to run the same thing too often. 
Um, one, because uh, this is a hobby-based podcast. And so, um, you know, it, it always helps to talk about painting a new army. Um, now, that that isn't always achievable. And in this instance, I was kind of in the tail end of um, uh, doing the Kickstarter stuff. I was also uh, knee-deep in a kitchen renovation and uh, also the imminent arrival of baby number two had put some pressures on, you know, getting other parts of the house uh, ready as well. So as a result of that, I needed to uh, take something that I had taken in the past, but still expand upon it, uh, bring in some new elements. And I thought, what better opportunity than to bring out the big bears again? Um, that's right. The last time I ran these was uh, 300 points uh, at Minimize. I think a year or so ago, I had Grim Bayorn and five Bayornings. Um, and so I thought, why not just uh, do the same again and paint Bayorn and five more Bayornings, um, which was actually quite a bit of fun because these were um, models which I had prepped, converted and primed uh, before Minimize, obviously. Uh, so they've been sitting in a drawer languishing for a year and a half. Um, and it was great to finally get them out and put a, a, a fresh coat of paint um, over the top uh, of these dust gathering uh, primed models. Now, I would have mentioned in the last podcast in Minimize, but to recap, I do have a little bit of head cannon when it comes to the bears uh you know between big papa bayorn and little baby grim bayorn um and it's kind of to do with the the two approaches that i've taken with the models now obviously the official models are beautiful um they're lovely sculpts they've got a lot of character to them they're very distinct visually because they're a little bit taller and almost feel a little bit more slender than some of the other models. They feel more true scale than um, some of the other models in the range, uh, and they're fantastic. And I and I love having those in the in the force. And in my head canon, those guys are Grim Bayon's lads. Um, they're kind of the new guard. Um, you know, <laughs> I've made jokes that they're kind of the 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 vegan hipsters of the world, uh, of the, the Bayonings. Um, and that's contrasted with Bayon and his old guard. And so th the idea is that the old guard is really this kind of more, um, berserker barbarian. They've got a bit more of the bear in them. Uh, so a little less control. And so I wanted to have these kind of this, this contrast between some of the models. So I kit bashed a whole bunch of historical um, Victrix Viking models, which have a lot of um, beautiful motion um, to the poses uh, and gave them, you know, all the bald and, and, and big beardy boys. Um, and, uh, and, and then, you know, contrasting that obviously with the, the official games workshop models. The, the the paint scheme for all of the the bayonings is kind of pretty straightforward i would say um you know greens browns creams uh the one little pop of color that i've allowed myself throughout uh all of the models uh is kind of like a an ice blue um to offset um some of the i guess the forest tones just to add a little bit of pop um in the color 
but the Bayornings um, all came together pretty easily. Um, they were all prepped, primed, ready to go. The, the part that I had not yet completely put together was Bayorn himself. Um, and this was actually a really fun little project. It was nice that I only had six models to do because it meant that I could paint each guy individually um, and actually have a bit of fun because I haven't had a lot of time um, to paint them and kind of relearn <laughs> what my brush actually does. So I, I painted those bayonings um, first. Uh, and in the meantime, I was um, kit bashing and converting up the Bayon Man model. I bought this one ages ago and didn't realize until I whipped it out that he was missing one of his arms. And so uh, I thought, okay, well, I've never been a huge fan of the original pose anyway. Um, And so this was a great opportunity to do a little kit bash um, conversion uh, to have a pose which I was a little bit more um, happy with. And so I, it ended up being a pretty straightforward process, really. I, I took um, some Frostgrave Barbarian pieces, which have some, you know, heavy musculature and, um, and, and a, an appropriately sized axe head uh, and basically chopped up those arms to um, connect them onto the Bayon model. And then I, I, I didn't really like the whole bare chested vibe. So I don't know why, because um, it kind of, the bare chested vibe kind of goes with my headcanon of them being the old guard berserkers. But having said that, uh, I actually quite like the, um, the threads that, um, that Bayon wears in the, in the Hobbit movie. So I wanted to have a crack at just green stuffing on uh, a little vest for him, um, which I think turned out pretty well. Um, and, and the other part to that as well is obviously, um, the vest helped to hide the joins at the shoulder between, um, those kit bashed arms and, um, and, and the base model. So two birds, one stone. I was really happy with the, the end result. It's still not a super dynamic pose because obviously the base model is kind of in a resting pose but he's holding his axe a little more menacingly um which i think is probably appropriate for um for the model right that's obviously the man form bayon taken care of but i you know i was hoping that he wasn't going to spend a lot of time on the table to be perfectly honest because we're all here for the bear now full disclosure i don't like the original bayon model i think there's kind of a divide uh on this model and it's uh some people enjoy it because it does have kind of a i don't know it feels a little bit more in reference to the man model in terms of the bear face you can kind of see that the skin changing um, aspect personally, I feel, and especially when you put it up next to uh, the new Grim Bayon, it just looks like Bayon has woken up from hibernation, and he, he's he's a little bit emaciated. Um, he doesn't have the presence. You know, I think back to the Battle of the Five Armies uh, box set, which was a you know ten mil port of a 
Warmaster system. And the cover art for that box had Bayorn like towering over everyone else around him. And so I really wanted to try and emulate that vibe to it. So I did some deep dive searching and this is going back a long time. I should say this. I actually discovered and printed off these models way back when I, I did the rest of the um, the the prep work for the rest of the bay awnings uh, a year and a half ago, um, and it's you know been sitting in the cupboard there. But when I was looking for it, I wanted uh, I wanted something that was superimposing, and I found this sculpt of a bear standing up and kind of roaring, um, and I just loved it. You know, it wasn't a super high detailed sculpt, but it had enough um, detail to kind of make it look like it would be worthwhile painting and you know I can you know get get some detail into the fur the issue was I did a test print and it printed out at you know the size of a normal 28 mil bear and that is not the look that I was going for I wanted that imposing presence I wanted that almost you know that that high fantasy feel of this is not a bear you know this is this is a, sh a shape shifter and there's a lot of magic going on here so I scaled it up to 110 percent printed that off it was still a little bit you know it was bigger but it wasn't quite there so I think I ended up scaling it up to either 120 or 130 percent like it was it was seriously big and you'll see in the pictures on the Instagram dear listener when this bear gets on the table, um, he can kind of charge around corners because uh, he can see over most buildings. <laughs> Some might say that's modeling for advantage, but on the flip side, he can always be shot with a bow or, or a ballista or anything else because there is very few pieces of terrain out there that can fully conceal him, which was great. It was the perfect, perfect model for it. And I absolutely loved it. Painting it up was actually a real joy. And I was reflecting on how different an experience it was from painting the uh, Grimbayon bear. I think I might've mentioned this the last time. The Grimbayon bear is beautiful. It's stunning. But it is interesting when you think about the implications of 3D printing and 3D design. So the fur on Grimbayon is really beautifully sculpted. However, the tip of the fur is super fine. It's so fine. It's so sharp, in fact, that it's quite difficult to um, put any amount of paint on. So when you're coming to do those final highlights, it's actually quite hard, I found, to um, you know control where that's, that paint's going. If you're going with a, a layering approach. I think if you're doing a, a, a dry brush, then it'll be fine. But just because the, 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 the edge of that fur is so sharp, it's actually quite hard to um, kind of put on the amount of paint that I would like to, to kind of get it to read um, with the, con the amount of contrast that I wanted. And I was thinking about that as I was painting uh, Bayon because it was the complete opposite. Because I'd scaled the model up uh, by, you know, an extra 30%, um, the, the fur was actually, you know, it was a little bit soft in its detail. Still crisp enough that, you know, I, I did a Zenithal Prime and um, chucked over um, some 
some contrast paints to kind of establish a, a base layer and then um, highlight up from there. But what I found was because the, the fur um, was a little bit softer in detail, I could essentially control where I wanted to place the highlights um, a lot easier. So I was able to paint the, the model's volumes um, much easier than with Grimbayon, which was really interesting because, you know, objectively, Grimbayon is a better model, um, you know, just in every way, like the details, the pose, uh, the base, like it's, it's, a, it's a 10 out of 10 model. And yet the Bayon was more fun to paint. Um, so go figure. Um, a couple of things that I really enjoyed uh, working in because it's a big model and you need to be able to break it up a little bit because it's a, you know, it's a black bear. So how do you, how do you Im infuse it with a little bit more character, a bit more life? So I started looking at, um, black bears, um, and noticed that, um, uh, a lot of the black bears have this kind of, uh, unique chest marking, uh, which is kind of a, a more, uh, cream or beige, um, fur tone. Um, as well as having, you know, some of that beige tone around their muzzle and, and their face. And so that's where I really tried to uh, kind of break up a lot of the, the monotony of the, the black um, fur. So um, he's got a big kind of uh, uh, highlight spot on his chest with that, that beige fur. And I was really happy with the transition between that and the black. Um, and then that kind of draws your eye further up to the face, which also has that beige. Um, and I worked at um, kind of trying to work in some glazes to, to blend between that very light beige back into the black. Um, and so it was kind of a, a process of going back and forth with, um, you know, washes and glazes, both browns and blacks to kind of blend between the two. And I was really happy with the way that it turned out. And the, the, the other part that was really fun with the, with the face was kind of painting on, um, a whole bunch of scars. Cause obviously, you know, Bayon gets into scraps all the time. Um, and, um, even though he's an unstoppable force he still gets, uh, he doesn't come away un, un, unscathed. And so that, that was, that was fun. I, I'm, I'm never really very confident uh, when it comes to painting things like um, scars. So I was super happy with how Bayon turned out. Um, the basing all kind of, uh, I wanted it all to match with um, Grim Bayon, so um, he he got his own tactical rock that he was um, standing on, which was made out of um, everyone's favorite rock material, pine bark, uh, and you know based up with the same kind of uh, fern fronds from um, I think it's Gamer Grass. Um, do these beautiful laser cut uh, ferns, which um, I've used on some of the other Bayonings and and uh, Grim Bayon himself as well. And so there I was, uh, I, I probably only started really properly working on these models a week, maybe two weeks out from the, the, um, the tournament, but I got them all done and I think they were all done two days before the tournament. Who would have, who would have thought ladies and gentlemen? Um, and I was really happy with the results. All of the Bayonings kind of looked, um, in line with the, the ones that I'd painted a year and a half ago, which is always a bit of a concern, right? When you're picking up an army after a year and a half. Although to be fair, there hasn't been a lot of painting between now and then. So it's not like my skills would have improved. 
Um, it was more so whether I uh, could remember which end of the paintbrush to hold, uh, which it turns out I did. Uh, certainly, I did notice that, um, you know, the muscle memory wasn't quite where it used to be, um, which is a bit frustrating, right? Like when you come back to something that you've spent some time away from, um, it was uh, it it was really really frustrating to to know what I used to be able to do versus um, what I can do now. And look, it's not necessarily that the that I wasn't happy with the end result, not at all. I've already said loved it. It's great. However, the time in which it took me to achieve those results uh, were probably quite a bit longer than if I had painted them you know, a year and a half ago when I was doing a lot more painting. So, um, very different. Anyway, I think that about covers it. We know what the army is. Uh, we know what the tournament is. Let's get on and see how I go. So it begins. Okay, g'day team, welcome back. We are at the end of round one of Attrition. I am joined by my opponent, Theodore. Welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back. So tell the listeners, what was the army that you brought for today? So I brought the legendary legion that is the Grey Company. Mm. So I brought Aragorn and Halberad with his banner of Arwen Evenstar and 10 uh, Rangers of the North. And a literal metric ton of might that came yes, along with yes. it, right? So every model is a hero. So everyone started with might. So I had 48 might to start and a free one every turn. <laughs> Sadly, ridiculous. I think I only spent 15 might in the first game. Sadly. That sadly. included seven of the free ones, though. So I only actually spent eight real might. <laughs> it was very good. It was coming thick and fast, and uh, my dice rolls were pretty rubbish, so I burnt through a lot of resources as well. But before we get to the game, let's talk a little bit um, about your army, the models. Um, majority of them, are they 3D prints? Yeah, so everybody other than Aragorn is a 3D print from Medbury Miniatures. Oh, okay, so the Halberad was yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, the Halberad's a 3D print too. That is a beautiful model. I love the the Medbury sculpts. They they hold up really well. How do you go about, because um, did you paint this with the intention of this being the the legendary legion? So I started painting this army on Wednesday. Okay. On, on Wednesday morning, they were just primed and based. Okay, okay. That's, so, yeah. that's a fair way to go. I, I only had five models to paint, thankfully. Um, what was your approach in terms of getting all of the painting done in such a short time? Um, it was just trying to sit down and knuckle it out. I'm fairly just paint to tabletop standard, yep. base coat, wash, maybe a highlight if I'm feeling spicy. <laughs> um, you did a good job of um, differentiating them though as well, right? Because yeah. it's a bookkeeping exercise as much as anything, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, so I made sure everybody's a unique pose and on top of that, there's differences in the paint as well to go with it. Yeah. I had intended to have each one having a like unique spot color, but only really managed that with Pansy. Pa and look, Pansy came into it. Oh he, yeah, he... Two, two wounds on Bayorn <laughs> on his own. Oh my gosh, that that is a flavor of uh, just how my dice rolling was for pretty much the entirety of this game. So the, the game was Caesar Prize. Yep. Fixed scenario, so we knew what we were in for. Um, but I managed to get to the, the prize first, which I was yeah. a little bit surprised about. 
Uh, it was one of those, it, it came down to that 50-50 on that turn of who, who won the heroic move roll off, which yep. you did. Yeah. But thankfully you then flubbed the, uh, the can you dig up the prize roll. Yes, I rolled a three from memory. Yeah, uh, and you not, needed a four plus. That's right. Couldn't spend might on it. Yeah, that's the that's the hard part because I had so many, so much might to spend at that point. Yeah, at um, that point. That, that quickly changed though because um, I had to, because of the terrain on the board, there was basically a central ruin where the objective was. Um, and that ruin was so tight as to restrict my bear's base movement. Um, so it meant that I had to make a choice around who went in first and they had to go back into man form. Um, yeah. Which was tough because... Oh yeah, that, that, that did a lot for me, that combat. Because yep. it meant I outfought you and you didn't have your bear save. Yep. And, and even with the heroic defense that I called, you still got three I, wounds. I rolled three sixes. That that was some ridiculously hot dice rolling. It was very good. Other than a couple of flubs, my dice rolled way too hot that game. Yeah, and, and in response, my my dice were ice cold. I, I think I rolled six fate, uh, five of which were twos, and one was a five. So I then had to spend a further two might to bump up um, one of those uh, fate to a to a four. I was just burning through resources really early. Um, to be fair, I think four of the six fate I spent were fails as well. Yeah, so it's a fifty fifty roll. And I think two was the roll of the day yeah. when it came to fate. Um, yeah, it was not, if you'd gotten the three, it, it would have been worth the one might. But the two needing two might was always a bit. Oh, that's not really worth it. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Um, the 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 game kind of progressed. You you managed to pick up the prize, and uh, there were a few opportunities in the mid game where. I tried to, to snatch it back, but um, I just couldn't get either the combats to, to go off in my favour or put on uh, wounds where, um, where I did win. Um, there was one opportunity where I tried to do a, a big hurl with Bayon and knock everyone over in the combat with Grim Bayon, but again, you called a strike um, and you managed to get up above my fight value, which then secured um, the victory there uh, in that combat. Yeah. So um, you played very well. Uh, what, what were some of the highlights in the mid-game for you? I think definitely sort of getting to, to the prize second, but still managing to dig <laughs> it up first was a big, oh, I did, I, when I lost that roll-off, I didn't think I'd get this far. <laughs> now right. I'm playing keeping off from bears. <laughs> mm. A good game so, to play. Yeah. Um, I was very happy to have as much might as I did, and I needed to spend quite a bit of it. Um, I thought earlier, actually, the 15 might was before the free seven. So yeah, 15 sure. might plus the seven. So I ended up spending 22 might that game. Yeah, it felt and, like it. And I kind of, it's the trick with the Rangers is your very low model count, but because everyone's got might, will, and fate, you need to burn that might to get in positions and get kills when you can. Yeah. And... And I yeah. think I think you spent your resources really um, uh, for someone who had so many resources. You you spent them very wisely, especially when uh, it was you know around spending fate or not spending fate. You know, if a, if a ranger cop three wounds, yeah. you go. Thankfully, there were, there were a number of instances where I either took nothing or I took three wounds, yeah. and th <laughs> that made those decisions a lot easier. Of just hmm. I need to pass all three of my fate and then have no fate for the rest of the tournament. Yeah. Or I can just cop this one ranger. Yeah. And because uh, you only had the same number of models to start I did, yeah. it was a lot easier to just go, right, I'll lose a ranger. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and your Rangers were putting out damage as well. Yeah. I think uh, good old Leroy Jenkins. He came around the corner. I think, did he take out three uh, day think, on his own? I think he did in the end. He was he was a one man army. He was operating solo on the wing, um, and he was putting in work. He lived up to his namesake, stumbling at the first hurdle. <laughs> That's right. He uh, he tried to jump over a low fence. Uh, I think it was was it turn one or turn two? It was turn two. Yeah, he and rolled a one, fell yeah. over. Um, but then proceeded to get back up and wreak havoc. Yes, yes, he did. Um, and I, mean, I guess from my perspective, I was thinking, look, Bears, they're, they're still going to be um, a threat regardless of whether oh. they have resources. So I was going uh, hard at the resources to try and um, kind of bend the, the tempo back to my, my way, but I just couldn't get, um, couldn't get uh, the Bears into the correct positions yeah. um, where they could actually effectively put out the damage that they, they needed to. Yeah, to be fair, there were uh, until the second last turn, mm. uh, a flub somewhere from me could have spelt victory for you. Well, I mean, and even uh, the, uh, the the ranger that had the artifact, he almost flubbed his courage yeah. roll. Um, oh, he, he did flub his first one. Mm. I had to spend a might, and oh, no, I had to spend two will to get him to stay around. That's right. Thank- uh, thankfully, though, you, you had that, yeah. that to spare, so um, that, that was definitely the right call. Um, the, the small, minor, um, I guess, uh, con- consolation prizes for me was uh, one-shotting Aragorn. Yep. Uh, um, nine wounds in one round was a bit <laughs> similar of, do I spend all of my fate and need to pass seven, or do I have fate in my next game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I voted to have fate in the next game because at that point, my artif- the artifact was out of your reach. Yeah, and, and it was kind of... That, that wasn't where the, the game was going to be won or lost, essentially. Um, there, there was a, a kind of a key turning point at the end there as well where I had broken you, but you hadn't quite broken me. Um, and that was, that was probably the, the last hope that I had. Um, and instead of stacking uh, fights um, where I could have put on more damage to you, I think I tried to slow up to stop ending the game. And I think that was a bit of a misplay. Yeah, if, if you'd ended the game that turn, I think it would have been a draw. Yeah, yeah. Because I was able to not lose a single model that, that turn. Yeah. And actually dealt a fair bit of damage. Yeah. That actually swung it back in my favour for the win. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I definitely misplayed that where I should have um, stacked more of my Bayonings into your Warriors as opposed to into the Heroes um, in well, that turn. They're all Heroes. Well, yeah, yes. Not, the, not, should have stacked more into the Rangers and not into Halberd. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you'd also held off on Bayorn and, and to try and get to my guy with the objective. Yeah. When you should have just gone for the game end there. Totally. into a ranger. Totally. Um, so, you know, lessons learned. Um, but it was a really enjoyable game and I really loved the spectacle of, um, you know, two small elite armies going head to head, having really heavy hitters. And there was a lot of to and fro. Like Aragorn put out some hurt um, before he got uh, chomped up. Um, and the Bears did a little bit um, as well, but not as much as they probably needed to in that situation. But all in all, a very enjoyable game. Most definitely. Good luck with uh, the rest of the tournament. All the best of luck to you as well. G'day team, Albert here after round two of Battle uh, a battle of Attrition. Battle is that what attrition, it is? Yeah. Battle of Attrition. And man, it was another real battle of attrition. I'm joined by my opponent, Tiram. How are you, mate? I'm great, thanks. Good to have you back yeah. on the podcast. Um, everyone knows I'm taking bears, but what are you taking? 
I've got some dwarves, some, yeah. some beautiful Casa Doom dwarves. Some real dwarves. Yes. The OG, yeah. the best. Uh, yeah, you've got Big Daddy Durin. What else is in the army? Uh, yeah, Durin and a King's Champion are the only heroes. Um, That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's going with the all hero armies, and I figured, yeah. well, they're not going to have any um, any numbers. And I looked at the objectives, and yeah. numbers will be helpful. Smart, smart. You did what I didn't do, <laughs> um, and yeah, definitely plays into it. And uh, in terms of the army, is this uh, a kind of a, an army that's near and dear to your heart? You play uh, dwarves a lot. Yes, I, I went massively overboard when I first started collecting. It was during lockdown, so I didn't have anyone to play with. I didn't know the normal number of points, so I've got <laughs> yeah. my 4,000 points of dwarves. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll come into play one day. Uh, absolutely. I was, I've wrote a list for 4,000 points of Moria, and I'm about maybe five grand short of being able to afford it. <laughs> Um, it's good to have these goals, though. Yeah. Um, you had an uh, insane amount of Iron Dwar uh, Iron Guard. I love as well. Iron Guard. They are They're great. So good. They're great models. Now, uh, were they metal or were they the resin ones? They're the resin ones. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't get into it until like 2021. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though they're, they're the resin ones, I think that they're one of the ones that when they kind of did the conversion to resin, they came up all right. Yeah. Not like the Vault Wardens with their bendy, yeah, the vault wardens are bendy spears. <laughs> yeah, but um, there's so many small little tabs that you need to cut off yeah. for the Iron Guard. And so I've stabbed myself in the finger quite a few times with the box cutter. Yeah. Just yeah. trying to clean it out. Yeah, no, that's definitely comes uh, comes with the territory. Um, how do you go uh, in terms of the painting? Is painting uh, part of the, the hobby that you really enjoy or is it kind of painting to get them on the table? Uh, it's definitely more about getting them on the table, yeah. um, but I also want them to look good. And there are a bunch that I want to go back and redo. Yeah, um, okay. But yeah, it's, it's finding it's the more, times. Yeah, it's more that I want an army that looks good rather than I want to sit there and spend yeah. time at a table painting. And they do look really good. Like they've got a really lovely uh, blue scheme. I much prefer uh, a blue scheme over the, I think the original um, Games Workshop, they had a lot of greens. And I've never yeah. been a fan with that green skin, so I really love the the blue, and you've got some nice golds there as well. Yeah. Um, well because I've got the four thousand points, I've managed to write little lists of. I've got the four dwarf kings, ooh. so I'm going to have four different color schemes. Oh, that's and handy. Yeah, blue's the first one I've finished. I've got most of red done, and okay. um, now I'm starting on a green one just because I ran out of ideas. Wow. So I went on random color generator. There's only so many colors that you <laughs> yeah. can uh, you can go through. That's really cool. So. Um, is the, the plan then, like once you get all of them painted, are you going to uh, potentially do some lists where it's like two two dwarf kings, they both bring, you know, the meeting yeah, of the houses? I, um, I've done that for, I think it was the most recent Battle Hardened. Oh, cool. Um, where I ran two dwarf kings. Yeah. And, um, they didn't play super well because I'm used to having that big defense nine hat save. Yes. Um, yeah. So it just was me not really knowing how to use it. But I like the idea of I had the two warbands, different colors. That's great. And I think that it's like when, when you've got the intention behind it and you've got the kind of the story sitting behind it, that like really looks great on the t tabletop because you've got the story and the theme and the narrative kind of yeah. driving it as opposed to it just kind of being a mishmash. Yeah. And like, there have been a couple of times that I've been just creating a, a list just for a casual game. And I've realized oh, I haven't painted enough enough red people 
um, yeah. of red dwarves for yeah. to write the list that I wanted. Oh well, let's change the list. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it, cool. It, yeah, That's it cool. just looks a lot better when the warbands are the same color. I totally agree. Totally agree. So onto the game, we were playing. Uh, what were we playing? Domination. Domination. I was about to say <laughs> command the battlefield, and I was like, that was definitely not the scenario. Domination. So the the five objective markers. Uh, what did you think facing up against my bears? Did you like your chances? Uh, this was definitely the one that I was feeling confident about, regardless mm. of who I played, because everyone mm. had, you know, breaking of the fellowship or um, a bunch of other only Low heroes. Models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I felt confident. I was like, oh, I've got the um, the bodyguard people who can just sit on the objectives. They ended up not doing that, but yeah, they ended up getting right into the the, the thick of things. And so, um, what were your thoughts in terms of deployment going into it? Um, Get us close to the middle and uh, get those dwarf legs moving to the ones in your deployment zone as quick as they could. Yeah. I, I was kind of in two minds about it because I, I knew I needed to get like get into it quickly to, to take down your numbers because you outnumbered me, what, how many models were in your army? I had 29. Yeah, so, you know, more than doubling my 12 models. So I knew I had to balance up that um, quickly, but I, it was... It was lucky that there was a big um, a tree um, kind of forest in the, the middle of the board because that kind of gave me the ability to um, kind of move in and out of those woods and um, ambush you a little bit. Although, and, and that kind of kept Durin out of the, the conflict for the yeah. first few turns. Yeah, the first few turns really did take down quite a lot of numbers. The Iron Guard went down um, pretty quickly, although they did um, punch back. Uh, yeah. a couple in, yeah, in they, return. They did a bit themselves. Um, but that King's Champ, holy crap. That that <laughs> that guy is unstoppable. Yeah, well, he, he went crazy. And um, I got through the first round spending one resource. I spent one yep. might. So the opposite of me. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent one might to kill Gothmog, to flash kill him. Yeah, okay. So um, King's well Champion still had all six of his might. Yeah. And I burnt through all six. Yeah, uh, fighting against Grimbeon. But it wasn't even, it, it, it was the might, but you also had the um, the heralds, which were toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. You did really well, I thought, at um, making sure that those heralds were positioned um, really well next to the, the king's champ, which basically meant that it was very hard to take down any of them. Yeah, it must be weird being a bear needing a, a fight. It felt weird, and I don't ever want to have that feeling <laughs> again. Um, I mean, the... the the, the first few turns of combat probably um, went my way in terms of having two bears into half of your army. Um, but having said that, there I just wasn't able to put on um, the amount of damage I needed to before Durin got into the, into yeah. the fray. Um, yeah. Because once Durin was in there, um, it became pretty hard yeah, to... Yeah, and I think that's one thing that your lower numbers definitely attributed to, where if yeah. you had a couple more models, you could have just stuck one to delay Durin one extra turn. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. As it was, I didn't have enough guys to kind of screen. Um, and I was, you know, I had one archer sitting on a back objective, but meanwhile you had um, three dwarves sitting on your back objectives and that didn't really um, hinder you too much, I no, feel. No, not really. Especially with the, the tight spaces, I already had some people who were sitting out the back waiting for their turn to get in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you, had, um, you had the backup. Um, there, which and you always had just the right amount of models to kind of tie me up. I could never really um, get the bears into optimal positions. 
um, and you, you got the trap on Bayorn, yeah. um, which was pretty pretty dicey with uh, with Durin as well. That that was a big combat. Yeah. Thankfully, I managed to somehow stay alive after what was it, five or six wounds put on him? Five wounds. Five wounds. I did one bear save. Yeah. And then I chucked a fistful of fake <laughs> dice. And still copped two wounds. <laughs> yeah. So he was down to one fate, one wound at the end of that combat. Um, so lucky he didn't die, but yeah, spent a lot of resources to make sure yeah. he didn't. Yeah. I think a large part of me being able to control the space and not let the bears get into the optimal zones is that I still had the eight might on Durin to call yep. the moves. I think I called yeah. quite a few moves to make sure I got the charge off. And also the threat because I was so low on might, I couldn't counter any of your strikes. Yeah. Although, <laughs> having said that, some of your strikes were a little bit squiffy. You, was it two, two, two strikes? Two strikes that I rolled a one in a row. Going up to fight seven against my fight eight, which was, and, and that was the clincher because I managed to, um, I mean, it managed to win both of those combats. Yeah. Um, so Bayon didn't um, end up dying. Yeah, one of them was when I had uh, trapped you with both Durin and the King's Champion. Yeah, that was do or die. Yeah. Like that would have definitely swung things even more in your favor. Um, in, in the end, it was 9-3 your yeah, way. Yeah, 9-3. Um, just purely because you, you held uh, more objectives. You'd broken me, you'd got the leader wound as well. And the only thing I managed to hold was that center objective. Yeah, yeah. and then we contested the one that your the archer, archer was, was on. sitting on. Yeah. It was a super, super enjoyable game and it was... Um, Probably the first time I've ever cut through so many dwarves in a game, yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, which was a great feeling. But I, the whole time that the game was going on, I was like, there is the only way that this is going to flip is if your guys fail their courage and run off the objectives. Yeah. Yeah. And they did not do that. That was lucky. I, I think I played a few mind games on the dice. Uh, for the, <laughs> the second, I think it was only twice I needed to roll um, broken courage text for them. Yes. And the second time I thought to myself, you know, what, if I just roll these dice and don't make a big deal out of it, just make it seem like it's a formality, the dice will realize that it should just be a formality yep. and they'll pass their courage and I, they managed yeah. to. And, and that was the right play because the one time that you did make a big deal about it was on Durin's <laughs> yeah. strike up. The second and that, strike. That was, that was the one. And it's like, okay, yeah, the dice definitely have ears. They're listening. Yeah. Um, it was an awesome game. Were there any other highlights from your perspective? Um, it's very, very small, but just when I got a ranger who... The rangers only ever do throwing axe damage for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think he, he got a wound against Grimbayon. Yes, he did. Granted, Grimbayon did roll the six for the bear save. Still. It still happened, and yep. I, was, I was proud that, you know... The rangers weren't useless. That, well, that was that was the the only scratch that um, Grimbale got all game. I think he um, was given a wound twice, and he? both times rolled a six. Yeah, that's save. right. Yeah, yeah, the bear saves actually came in clutch. Yeah, um, but no, it, it's always nice to see those um, those dwarf rangers putting in some work because I love those models. They're like one of my favourite profiles, but they never do anything for me. So yeah. I'm cheering for them as well. They um. They feel so squishy at Defense yeah. 5. Yeah, compared to everything else running around. Yeah. That's uh, good. Thanks very much for the game, Serum. Appreciate it. And good luck in the final round. You too. Cheers, mate.
G'day team, Albert here for the Two Towers podcast. It's the mm -hmm. end of the day, end of round three. And not only mm -hmm. do I have my opponent here with me, it's actually the tournament organizer, Mop. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I like to be here. Yeah, well, it's it's good to have you on with two birds with one stone. I was meant to be playing Hog, but he had to run away. So you stepped in yep. for the Gumby in the last round, mm -hmm. um, which meant it was a... Um, well, look, we were... I was, there was nothing to play for. I was on the bottom table, uh, <laughs> second second to bottom. Um, so it was a nice, relaxed kind of game to, mm. to close out the day. Um, what was the army that you were playing, though? Um, I was playing Mordor. Uh, I don't really play uh, not a Not a familiar list for you. No, right? I, I probably have only played Orcs once, but yeah, okay. they were like, I, yeah, no, it's like I had like two of them. You like to play the good boys. I'm a good boy. Yeah, me too. I prefer it. I, I, I sometimes pretend that I like playing evil, but deep down inside, mm. it hurts me to play evil. Um, what was that like playing uh, an army that you were not familiar with? Wasn't your own models? Um, uh, it was very... It, the, obviously, I had to look up all the rules because it, yeah. was, it was Gothmog and Kamul, and yeah. Gothmog is hatred, man shenanigans, and then Kamul has all the... His special ability that all Naz special Nazgul's get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one to kind of, uh, especially at the end of the day after you've been running around trying to get everything organised to then go. Yeah. Okay, I've got to now flip into game mode. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it was it was a really fun game. We were playing Fog of War, which is um, everyone's favourite uh, game. Although if you're facing off against two bears, probably not your favourite game. No, especially two bears with no might. <laughs> <laughs> For Gothmog to be like, oh cool, uh, I'm not going to copy anything today. So. Well, this was this was my. Uh, my tactic obviously it mm. wasn't a very good tactic because i'm on the bottom <laughs> levels but, <laughs> but it was you know the idea was i can spend all my resources as hard as i want because by the end of the day i'm still bears and if people don't have the resources to deal with that then it's tough yeah it's very tough um so the game going into it what did you think when you saw the bears on the other side of the table did you fancy your chances well i sort of i needed i know Kamul was a necessity mm -hmm. because as much as I th I'm pretty sure he's a combat Nazgul, he, I needed his transfixes to come out and do so, which yeah. sort of did not really. Not really. I mean, the, the issue, what's interesting, and we'll kind of talk about this a little bit uh, later on, but because I hadn't come up against any magic to this point, I had nine will on both of the bears. Yeah. Which is hard because, like, you know, the game is kind of balanced around only having three will, so you've got to be really picky and choosy as to mm. when you burn that that will. And so I was throwing kind of three dice resists because I've got the resistance to magic, which yeah. which helped to stop a lot of that. You did get one transfix off. I did. It it was all right. It it stopped him in its place for a little while, but obviously it just delayed the inevitable. Yeah, and the problem with two bears and only having one caster is that. You can only shut down one, yeah, and the other one can still be a big threat running around the board. Um, in terms of the game, uh, it was fairly clear to me early on which side of the board you were going in terms of the yeah. terrain. And I knew that when you pretty much put full force into the middle, he's going to clean up the middle, and then if because I'm more of orcs, don't have really much courage, he's trying to break me. Get the ones on the outside to just run, and then that was the that was exactly the, the strategy yeah. that I was employing because I, I thought you know the courage of orcs can only last 
for so long. Um, mm. And the Bayonings, even though you had Moranans and some black Numenorians, um, you know, defense six is nothing to a, a burly strength four <laughs> yeah. fighter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's kind of the way that it, it played out. The middle was a big, uh, mosh of melee. Um, the bears were doing lots of bear things. You had quite a, a big cav, um, uh, contingent, some wag riders. Yeah. That didn't last. Didn't last long. <laughs> well, it was one of those ones where you lost the priority and you didn't have any might in that position to yeah. kind of counter it. Um, mm. so that, that kind of helped, um, in the mid game, though, Gothmog started to threaten. What were what were your thoughts when you were um, positioning Gothmog in there? Um, I sort of wanted him central, just just in case you did call something like a move with your one mic. Because he you did have one mic on both of your bears, which yeah. is I was just making sure that if you were going to move, I could potentially just swipe that under you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted him sort of central. I did forget about uh, monstrous uh, like barging and stuff. So obviously yes. later when I Step was too close to the sun, <laughs> and uh, Gothmog really felt it. <laughs> yeah, he got a little bit burnt. Um, it was that classic thing of, uh, and the the um, the bears kind of in my simple, uh, you know, in in the hands of a consummate general like Kylie. There's obviously a lot of tactics and tricks and stuff, but in mm. a simple player like myself, there's really mm. only two tricks that I go to, and that's the barge uh, or the hurl into the other bear's combat. Yeah. Um, and so in this case, it was the the barge to to then get into Gothmog, and um, the Grim Bayon uh, made short work of him. Yes. yes. Even though he still had three fate. Three fate, and then. Three, three fate, five might. Yeah. And he had a bunch of will, but he, no, he didn't, didn't, need didn't need it. Um, and yeah, Grim Bayorn mm. basically one-shotted him. And the Bayornings just, um, they went to town. Yeah. They, they really do they, kill quickly. They kill quick. <laughs> when when they get on a roll. But I think um, one of the MVPs on, on your side, though, I don't want to um, talk on your behalf, but the, the tracker. Yeah. That. The... He had it out for some of those. Uh, yeah. Being on his little little vendetta. He lasted a long time too. I think mm. it was turn one or maybe turn two. He got a shot off and mm. um, pinged a, a wound off the a bay awning. Mm. Um, and then he decided that he really he double wanted him dead, so he tried to shoot again, but then he shot the guy next to him, which is one of my black Numenorians. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he killed your own black Numenorian, which is no mean feat. Um, and uh, I think he also did some very courageous charges or at least kind of body blocking um, around the bears for mm. quite a while, which yeah. kind of helped to, to stop the bears going. Well, yeah, he did trees. manage to somehow get block one of the Bayon in when he was in bear form. Yeah. Block Bayon in. Bayon actually lost a fight, yeah, so I could right. get double that's strikes. Right. You tracked Bayon. But I didn't, I didn't get any wounds, unfortunately. Yeah, didn't Sucks. didn't quite get them through, but still, um, that that little plucky tracker, he was mm-hmm. he was punching well above his weight. Um, it was it, it ended up that you know the the classic uh, game end on a roll of a one or two, and the game dragged out. Yeah, um, you you obviously had your objective. I had managed to kind of clean up the middle and um, kill my target, which was the which was Kamal because mm-hmm. there was no other choice. Yeah, um, and then. Yeah, it was that painful roll of three at the end of the turn. Yep. Keep roll going. Roll three twice and then keep going after that. 
and then he eventually ran. That's right. So in the end, it was 12.0, but um, it was a, a nice, relaxed um, way to, mm. to finish off a day and um, probably nice to also get a little bit of a game in for yourself. In the end. So I'm not standing around. Yeah, exactly. Might as well be a part of it. Exactly. And in terms of the, the day, um, uh, first of all, where did the idea for this one come from? Because it's I, a great idea. I, I love had, it. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because I, I just, I don't know where, like, why I thought of it. I just, uh, yeah, I just thought, I think initially I was just like, what if you just have a battle with extra might? Right. And then that was just like, it oh, kind of morphed into. And it's like, well, that's not really balanced because then people would be very broken. It's like, oh, you could stretch it out in multiple games. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have a really cool sort of. And it, it is a really interesting mechanic mm. because, like, it really changes the dynamic of the game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, in my second game, I came up against Tyrim and he had, like, uh, an impenetrable um, King's Champion uh, because, mm. you know, he's got the two Heralds, which mm-hmm. uh, hand the, the fate over. So, mm-hmm. you know, Defense 9... A character with like six faith. <laughs> how do you how do you get even when you're a bear? That's still a, a tough nut to crack. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it changes. Like you know when when you came into the game with us, Kamal still had thirty three will. Yeah, yeah, thirty three will. So he's <laughs> somehow managed to even out his will because he started with thirty six. So he's managed to only use throughout the whole day thirty six will, uh, three will to just. It's interesting. I, I mean, I was looking my my second pick for this. Um, if I wanted to go a little bit more competitive, was to to look at Angmar and um, because you, you're stacking the the will, you can probably get a bargain basement hmm. witch king and then spend more on the other greeblings. Uh, I, I, I was, think it, I think it's an awesome um, setup, hmm. and and I think everyone that played um, today has had an awesome time because of that. That's good. I hope so. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think, you know, the, the amount of laughter and big moments because, you know, people are able to throw so much resources mm-hmm. to make that one clutch play go off. And then you have something. I remember watching someone and they, like, threw... Actually, Paul, you had one of these moments where you, they, like, threw four <laughs> fate and all of them failed. <laughs> I think at one point I threw five fate. Yeah. It uh, just... And it was, like... A four twos and a five, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah, the, yeah, just things that would never normally happen uh, in a game became um, mm. like super memorable, yeah, um, and and real highlights. So that that's been that's been a real highlight. Um, so was there anything else that you needed to kind of iron out um, once you came up with that initial idea? Um, obviously, finding all the imbalanced people. So obviously, I went straight to the Mirror of Galadriel. Yes, because. Yes. Just being able to be uh, at the start of any, I was like, oh, I'm out of my, I'm out of fate. I'll oh, just stand over here. Oh, look, nine fate. Cool. <laughs> yeah, back to completely renewed status. It was pretty hard tossing up also with the king's huntsman because he's never played as much. Yes. Because he's only got two might. Yes. Um, having him at six means he can, if if he finds a hero or monster, he get him to full. Um, it isn't that bad, but I did just in case it was. Overly overpowered, I did balance. I mean, the thing with that, the, and and I think so. You ruled in the end, King's Huntsman could come because Damo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So da- I made it so it starts from the start of the battle, at the start of each game. So yeah, Damo okay. was like, 
he would go back up to like four, not yes, six. Not, you can't, yeah, 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 you can't renew beyond that point. And I think also, you know, the, the difference there is that with the King's Huntsman, there's counterplay. Like yeah. you hide your heroes behind um, terrain to, mm. to help them not get shot. Whereas with the Galadriel uh, mirror, um, there's, it's hard as the opponent to kind of counteract mm. that play. Especially with if you have the classic bird bark. Yeah. Yeah, no one's having fun. Although they've been, uh, speaking of birds, there's quite a few birds. There is a bit of birds, but they're lower in the rankings, it seems. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. Were, were there any lists that kind of surprised you when people were submitting? Um, well, it's the opposite sort of happened. I was, I thought there was be more like hero central, yep. which is uh, another reason why I put objective scenarios in yes. because I wanted to people be like, I'm going to do all heroes, but it's all objective scenarios. Yeah. Um, I was surprised there was only one. Yeah, it was just the breaking of the fellowship, and that's yeah. pretty much it. Which yeah. Boromir obviously has <laughs> lots of might, <laughs> truckloads. And I think uh, uh, who's running? Uh, Nathan. Yeah, Nathan. Nathan. Uh, he dropped thirteen might in, in the one first game. game. <laughs> in the first game, it was just just so good. And that, like, I really love the the polarizing. Uh, between the different players like some players have been really strict with themselves to you mm. know ration out their resources and leave uh, leave yeah. leave gas in the tank and, and then there's and me and there's Dan <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and generally the people at the bottom tables who are just like nah I'm gonna burn burn all my resources to try and get ahead and it hasn't worked mm. but no it's been it's been really fun the the scenarios that you picked um, I like that you um, started with seize the prize um, mm. what was the thinking there uh, I wanted, I wanted people to burn mine early, <laughs> so I see the prize because I knew people would march yeah. as soon as they like got in. So march, 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 grab yeah. it and run. Um, and then obviously, domination, obviously more marching. Yeah. And then fog of war is like just a hero. You want to kill heroes, but how do you kill heroes if you don't have might? Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think the the scenarios that you chose were really purposeful and. Um, like what you've just described there, it, it kind of played out, it, you know, for me, I, I wasn't necessarily burning might on March, but I burnt a lot of might. Um, and it might have something to do with the matchup that I had in that first game. But um, I I looked at the scenarios after I had actually selected the army and I was mm. like, wow, this is, these these uh, scenarios don't really favour the Bay Awnings. But um, regardless, uh, it was a lot of fun and um, I certainly had a blast. Is there anything that kind of has come up throughout the day that was uh, unexpected or that you were a little bit surprised to see? Um, not really. It's, it was sort of all played out how I would sort of think it would. Yeah. Um, obviously, lots of questions for Teal because it's a very obscure sort of tournament. Yeah. yeah. Um, lots of rulings of what works. Like, I know... As much as Nathan won, he wanted uh, the Gimli and like listening to the last of the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, it, that could work, but if he told me round two, I was like, oh, if you told me round one, I probably could have said yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, and and it's been a it's been nice. It's um, twelve player tournament, so it's kind of a manageable size. Because yeah. um, this is the first time that you've taken yeah. the plunge as a TO. Yeah. What made you want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had an idea, and I just. I wanted to see what it would be like if it was in a tournament setting. Mm. And I mean, the easiest way to do that is doing a tournament. Run a tournament. You run a tournament. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. I think it's great. I think it's great. I think there needs to be more people out there mm. um, 
TOing, and I would encourage anyone to to um, to to get on that bandwagon. Because how long how long have you been playing the the game mm, for? Not too long. I was here when after Geordie and Damo got started at the old store. Yeah, that's when okay. I started getting in. So that was probably like one or two or maybe two years ago. Yeah, yeah, not not two. too long ago. And and I think that's a good. Um, thing to note for anyone out there that's looking to run their own tournament. I don't think you need to be um, a seasoned veteran no. to run a tournament um, because uh, all you need is a good idea, really. Pretty like, much. And if it's a lot of people are like scared that like they don't know all the rules. Yeah. So it is a, a little bit a part of being a TO is knowing some of the rules. But as long as you make a ruling, if someone asks like a like, oh, if you want this, this, what do you think? As long as you have, like, a, this is the way I'm going to do it in this tournament. Then yeah. And I think it's also important to note that, I, you know, generally speaking, people are respectful of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if the TO makes a call, then, um, okay, that's, that is what it is. I, mm. I've, I've very rarely ever felt any animosity towards a TO because yeah. they're have made a ruling or whatever and, and that's 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 really your your role and, and as players we've got to respect it um is there anything uh, that you would do differently if you had your time again um i am really bad with self-promotion <laughs> so yeah. like trying to yeah. get the people together and find the people to get to the event yeah i would probably do more promotional stuff just yeah because you need to get it's hard for people to find the event when it's, yeah. You sort of have to know people to spread yeah. the word. It is. It is. Um, it's one of those things where, especially with social media, unless someone kind of clicks on it when it first gets advertised, it can mm. fall through the cracks really quickly. Yeah. And then, you know, even though we've got the Australian MESBG page, I do feel like there is um, tournaments, especially down here in Geelong, where perhaps we might get uh, higher attendance if. Um, if there was a way to make people up in Melbourne a bit more aware of it. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations on running uh, the, the, the tournament today. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to talk on behalf of everyone else that has attended and say that they really enjoyed it. Um, well done, Mop. <laughs> Thank um, you. Thanks for taking the time and thanks for the great game. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Tonight, we remember those who gave their blood to defend this country. Hail the victorious dead. Hail! Well, there we go. Uh, uh, perhaps unsurprising to myself at the very least, I had absolutely no self-control. Um, threw it all away in game one <laughs> against Theodore and then uh, proceeded to try and uh, claw it back, uh, pun intended. And, um, and, and look, I didn't, I didn't at all, at all. There was, uh, you know, each game was close. Uh, the game with Theodore was very close. I think, you know, if I'd have been a little bit more, um, uh, you know, playing, uh, tournament savvy, I, I would have played for the draw in that first round, uh, which might've changed things a little bit. Although my resources were so low, uh, coming out of the back of that one, it, it really was difficult. I mean, going into the day, I thought if I've got bears at the end of the day, maybe the person on the other side of the table won't have uh, many resources left to deal with them. But um, that's that's 
that's that's not the way to plan to win a tournament. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> aiming that the guy across from you at the end of the day has also burnt all his resources and now he's got two big bears to deal with. Anyway, the tournament was a lot of fun. And I actually think that the the simple mechanic of changing the way or the the um amount of resources that are available to um people on a single game is a really interesting mechanic because it leads to all of these very unique situations where if there is a clutch moment that absolutely has to succeed you can throw everything at it to succeed but at the end of the day you know is that going to be the thing that actually saves the whole tournament for you chances are it's not um and that certainly was the case for my games <laughs> but i digress it was a really really fun um day i had a really great time and it was really nice to actually play a game against mop at the end um it was great to get the interview with him and chat to him about his thoughts he's a man of a uh, few words so getting him on the podcast is always um good fun uh, to actually force him to to talk about things <laughs> um and um i think it really is a, a a great testament to anyone who is thinking about running a tournament um please do the other thing that i reflected at the end of um the day is you know i've obviously been super busy this year and really haven't got to um any tournaments outside of the the uh, two towers tournament that we ran back all the way in when was it like march april around then um which is a long time ago now um but i realized that i really missed going to tournaments funnily enough on a podcast which is all about going to tournaments i had kind of convinced myself that not going to tournaments this year, it's fine, you know, it's all right. I still get a couple of games in, um, you know, on a weeknight at the at the shop and, and that's good fun. But there is something to be said about going to a place for a day with a whole bunch of people who are, um, you know, there for the same thing and just taking the time to have those little conversations, talk to people about their armies, talk to people about their games and talk to people about, you know, catching up with friends that you haven't seen before. The coolest thing actually about this tournament or one of the coolest things um, was actually meeting uh, Rob Hayes. Shout out to Rob Hayes from uh, Hammer and Scales on uh, Instagram, who we've been kind of chatting for I'm going to say years now. Um, and so first time we've ever uh, caught up in person, which was lovely, uh, which is a very handy segue because uh, I completely forgot on the day, uh, clearly because I am, you know, out of practice with this whole going to tournament thing and, and doing the podcast for the, for the tournament, which you may have heard from some of my rusty interviewing techniques. Um, but we come to it at last, the great award of our time, Hobby Hero of Legend. That's right. I may have already given it away, haven't I? Uh, of course, um, Rob Hayes, congratulations, mate. Uh, I'm going to save it so that 
you only hear uh, when you listen to this podcast. So it'll be a real test. I'm going to mail you um, your prize, the uh, the Great Smith. Uh, so you'll either be eagerly expecting it or it'll come as a complete surprise. Either way, very well deserved. Why uh, am I uh, awarding the hobby hero of legend to, to Rob? For a number of reasons. As we by now know, uh, the hobby hero of legend uh, is a multifaceted award. Uh, Rob was running his um, Eagles uh, with Radagast, which was awesome. He also had an amazing display board. Um, and I really liked the, so it was, it was a kind of a rocky outcrop. There were some trees, um, you know, it was the area of the, the Eagles, uh, and the, the rock face was really nicely done. Um, he also had some cool objective markers. I'm going to say, um, I believe they were some little nests and, um, eggs potentially. Um, I may be misremembering that because um, at the time of recording, it is a little bit past the the tournament. Um, the eagles themselves were beautifully painted, um, and really loved the the um, the Radagast on there as well. the The other part to this, though, uh, and and part of the reason why uh, Rob is winning the hobby hero of legend is because Rob, uh, by trade is a blacksmith, which is cool. Um, and so to every tournament, he, um, brings, um, some beautiful trophies of his own. So he, he, um, forges these beautiful, um, feathers. Uh, I don't know if that's the thing that he gives every time, but this time they were feathers, obviously, because he was bringing his eagles. So kind of matches up. Right. Um, but just like amazing, like handcrafted forged, um, metal feathers inset in a little, um, timber plinth. Um, one is for the player who he has enjoyed playing the most and Rob and I just narrowly avoided playing each other, um, in that final round. Um, because I was slightly less shit than him <laughs> by a, a whisker, by a feather, in fact, um, which is a real shame because I really wanted to, um, to, to play uh, Rob on the day. That would have been, that would have been a, a nice way to kind of round out the day. Anyway, he also has a second feather for the TO as a thank you for um, putting on um, the event, which I think is a really lovely, uh, sentiment, uh, one for, um, kind of recognizing, uh, good sportsmanship and, you know, uh, you know, we've talked about it on, on the podcast before that best, best sporting is, you know, the ultimate prize, uh, if you're going to a tournament, because it means that you've made, you know, three people's day. Um, so that that is um i think a really lovely sentiment um and a big part of the reason why uh rob uh was the hobby hero of legend um in terms of other awards though uh i didn't walk away empty handed uh no 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 in fact um i uh, managed to snaffle up a best painted award which i was super stoked with um especially 
uh, off the back of the conversation around like not having painted a whole bunch um, over the past year and the fact that it was a little bit frustrating kind of getting back in the saddle uh, in terms of, you know, relearning uh, my old skills. But I was, I, I certainly wasn't expecting it. I was actually, um, I had my money on uh, Rob uh, to win Best Painted uh, for his Eagles. And I, 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 full disclosure, I voted for him um, for, for Best Painted. Um, but yeah, took away Best Painted. So that that was um, pretty bloody good. Uh, I, I was very happy with that. Um, I, I love the bears, even though I was playing like hot trash, I really love the bears and I can definitely see how in the hands of a a capable general, they would be utterly deadly. Um, in, in my hands, they're just mildly inconveniencing, uh, my opponent a lot of the time, but, um, I love the theme. I love the models that I've, I've put together for them. I've got some more. Uh, models um, to kind of take it up to around 800 points um, which I you know I'm looking forward to to putting them together but um, yeah I definitely uh, will take the bears out for another outing sometime in the distant future but it might be quite a while between now and the next adventure as I'm recording this we are a mere days away from uh, the arrival of my newest uh, family member. So you might not hear much from me. You might hear me from time to time uh, pop in, but um, I am chipping away in the background uh, doing hobbying. It's just probably going to be unlikely that I can, you know, spend a a whole day uh, playing toy soldiers when there's um, two little, little kids at home. So, um, you know, until, uh, they get a little bit older, I'm, I'm going to refocus and, and, uh, you know, I'll still be doing the microforge stuff as well. So that's obviously going to be keeping me very busy, um, as well. Um, but before we go, I thought I would do one last peer into the Palantir. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, the temptation is uh, too strong. And full disclosure, um, a look behind the curtains here. I can't keep track of who we have um, and haven't done shout outs for uh, on this segment. So, hey, I might be repeating myself, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go and check out uh, this creator. Now, this time I peered deep into the Palantir and uh, I remembered uh, one of my favorite YouTubers who has a, frankly, criminally undersubscribed channel. It's Kitbash Box. Um, I first uh, became aware of Kitbash Box uh, when... Uh, he was doing a really lovely um, sequence. He, he got commissioned to do a a movie replica um, set for Armon Hen. So he went through and kind of like painstakingly analyzed all of the the still frames of all of the ruins on um, Armon Hen through that fight sequence, and he three uh, D sculpted it all from scratch. Um, and he kind of takes it you through his creative process of um, figuring out how the geometry all comes together. And there's some really complex 
uh, pieces in terms of different levels and he kind of works up from the, the basics. So I think like his first couple of videos is around like doing the, the boats that they um, obviously arrive on and the, the piers that they moor the boats to. And then they, you know, it ramps up in, in terms of the complexity. And so I really enjoyed that, that series. He also did a collab with Zorpazorp, um, which I was kind of in, involved with. So that's when me and him kind of started getting chatting. Um, and most recently, uh, he's very kindly sent me uh, some barrels. I don't know what it is about barrels and like crates, scattered terrain like that. I have like a unhealthy fixation with them. I love a good barrel. And these barrels that um, Kit Bash Box, I don't think he's released them uh, for sale yet. But when he does, bloody make sure you get yourself some because these barrels are exquisite. And he, he doesn't sell any of the um, the the pieces for, uh, or at least he doesn't sell any of the STLs for the work that he did on Arm and Hen because of you know copyright reasons. But he is a fantastic 3D sculptor. Um, you know, really his attention to detail and his grasp of translating 2D into 3D is fantastic. So if there's anyone out there that's a budding kind of 3D sculptor or, um, you know, anyone that's into terrain or diorama making Kitbash Box, go and check it out. It's well worth a watch. And with that out of the way, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. I thought we could do a short episode, but I think it's still probably going to be a long one because let's be honest, between Geordie and I, I'm the one that rambles on and goes off on tangents. So it, it was never really any hope, only a fool's hope. But until next time we are together, have fun gaming and have fun hobbying. See you later.